let's uh, let's read a few scriptures here. Verse eight, verse eight, and we'll read through verse fourteen. And Naomi said unto her, her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Amen. Praise God. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you tonight. We have already been encouraged and edified by the worship and prayer. We ask that your word would strengthen us. We give to you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated here um, tonight. Ruth's story begins during a famine that lasted long enough for a family to abandon their home and property, travel to another country, and start over. They lived there at least 10 years, probably longer. They left Judah and they went to Moab, another country. They had a decision to make, and in this particular case, <clears throat> it appears through this story it was the wrong decision. Even though there was a famine in the land, Naomi, if she would have had it to do over, would not have left and went to a land of the Moabites, which is a completely different uh, geographical location and religion and worship and all that goes with that. But because there was a famine, she transitioned out of that place and went to Moab. Ten years later, her husband died. And her sons followed her to the grave. So Naomi and her two daughters-in-law were left alone without means to provide for themselves. At this point, she makes a decision to journey back to Judah. Naomi's daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, were faced with a decision to leave all that they had ever known. Would they go with Naomi to a different land? a strange culture, and a foreign government? Or would they go back to their parents in their homeland, possibly remarry, and start new lives with new families? They had a decision to make. Orpah was convinced to go back, but Ruth made the decision to separate from her past and pursue a life with Naomi. She clave to Naomi. I am coming with you. It doesn't matter that I'm leaving my homeland and all that I've known. I want to be of kindred spirit with you. Naomi and Ruth journeyed back to Bethlehem. Upon being recognized and greeted, Naomi informed the community that she had suffered greatly, was consumed with grief, and desired only to be called Mara, which is a Hebrew word which means bitterness. Although Naomi felt empty and bitter, 
She had not returned alone because there was one by the name of Ruth that clave to her and returned to her homeland. As Ruth went out to gather grain to provide food for her and Naomi, she met Boaz, the landowner. Ruth was overwhelmed by his kindness and fell at his feet, thanking him. And Boaz responded graciously. Chapter 2 and verse 11, he said unto her, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. It's a great little phrase right there, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I'm thankful that I can hide under the wings of the Lord, and I trust him. Amen. A great, great phrase there that Boaz recognized the attitude and spirit of Ruth. And under the law of Moses, a close male relative could purchase the land of a widow, marry her. And when they had a son, that son would receive the name and the land of the first husband. This act would ensure that the first husband's family line and inheritance would continue Naomi instructed Ruth to follow this law and asked Boaz to be the redeemer for their family. And in Ruth chapter 3 and verse number 11, Boaz said, And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou hast required. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. He recognized the spirit and the attitude of Ruth that wanted to follow Naomi and serve and worship her God. And so they were married. Ruth and Boaz were married, and she fully embraced, did Ruth, she fully embraced the life that Naomi lived, and she had a child. She had a child. This was such a celebration that the women said, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. The record shows that one of Ruth's descendants goes on to become the king of Israel, and his name was David. King David. Not only did he become the king of Israel, but he prepares the way for the Messiah because the line of Judah through the lineage of David comes Jesus Christ. There was a decision that Ruth made. I want to be separated from my own country, Moab. I want to follow Naomi because there is something about her and her walk with God. She clave to Naomi. Orpah turned around and said, I'm, I'm going to go back to what is comfortable. But Ruth said, no, I don't want to go back to that comfortable life. I'm following after you. And in this story is our story. We have a decision and a choice that we must make. Are we going to stay in Moab? 
Are we going to leave Moab, cleave to Naomi and say, I want your God to be my God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. I want to serve the one true living God. I want to come out of Moab, which is a type of the world. I want to come out of the idolatry. And I want to serve the king of Israel. And I'll cleave to you and I'll walk away from that which is comfortable to me. Amen. God's purpose became her purpose. Naomi's walk with God became her walk with God. And God's main purpose is that every person will be restored to a right relationship with him. And when we serve God, everyone say serve God. When we serve God, his purpose becomes our purpose. And our lives should point people to a loving God that wants to save them. This is why the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, is so very powerful. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God has called you to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. God has called you to be one that reconciles people from where they are to a loving God that wants to save them. You have a great opportunity. If Jesus became the one that did not impute our trespasses against us and reconciled us to God, he's given to us the same purpose and the same office. I want to use my testimony to tell people and to testify and exhort about the goodness of God and the greatness of God. Help me, Lord, connect someone to a God that saved me, didn't impute my sins to me, and give them a hope that maketh not ashamed. Oh, let's clap our hands and thank the Lord that he reconciled us, that he reached for us. And if he did it for us, we should do it for somebody else. Amen. Amen. Our ministry, our ministry. Everyone say my ministry. Sometimes we think my ministry is a particular office or something else. This is not what this verse is talking about. It's not, not talking about your ministry in, in Sunday school ministry, children's ministry, or your ministry in music ministry. It's not talking about that. It's talking about a higher arching ministry that is above all of those other ministries that says this. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I just don't know what my ministry is. Well, let me tell you, brother, and let me tell you, sister, what your ministry is. Your ministry is to have a word of reconciliation to somebody to draw them closer to God. If you were wondering and you didn't know, that's what it is. This is what this verse is saying. Amen. That we, we, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is to bring people to Jesus. And God's purpose becomes our purpose. 
through the empowerment of the cross and the Holy Ghost. Our eyes should be fully opened. We are not here wandering blindly around. We are about the work of reconciliation. Not only are we about it in a church service, every single church service is not to just go through a service, but it's to reconcile people to Jesus Christ. It's to draw people into his presence and his anointing. Every single service is about reconciling people people to a just God, a merciful God. If you've got difficulties and problems in your life, you're in the house of God tonight. There is a God that can save you. There is a God that can forgive you. There is a God that can wash you. Every single service is about reconciliation and bringing people closer to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is our ministry. And it not only happens in this building, but it happens outside of this building. God, help us. Help us to take on your purpose. Amen. God's purpose is for all people, and I can become a part of his purpose. He has separated me for that purpose. Just as Ruth follows Naomi and is separated out of Moab, comes back to Bethlehem. God separated her for a purpose, and he does the same thing for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Their eyes were blinded. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. There is no veil in the Old Testament the Old Testament and the Pharisees, particularly the Pharisees and the religious orders, they could not acknowledge Jesus because they were only seeing through the Old Testament and it was a veil that blinded them. They couldn't see it. But in Jesus, the veil is torn. There's even representation in the old temple, the old tabernacle, the old tent of meeting, and then the tabernacle, and then the temple, and the various iterations of the temple, that you had a holy and a holy of holies, and there was a veil that separated the two, but when Jesus Christ on the cross accomplished through Calvary what he came to do, that veil was rent from the top to the bottom that said, you don't need a high priest anymore to go in there, because Jesus is the high priest, and now anybody can enter into the holy of holies. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the opportunity every time we lift our hands and lift our voice to enter into the presence of God. You don't have to bring an animal, stand in line, wait for the high priest once a year to go in to the Holy of Holies. Every single day, you can lift up your voice and lift up your hands and know that I can get in the presence of God whenever I need to. That veil has been torn down, rent down. And my eyes are open that Jesus 
is the supreme sacrifice. Hallelujah. He is the supreme lamb without blemish. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. And so God separates us to his purpose, his purpose. Amen. We are turning from our ways and we are turning with our face as it is in a glass, seeing the glory of God and recognizing how awesome he is. And we are changed into his image. We are changed from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. So God is moving us, directing us, separating us so that we would become part of his purpose. There are several ways. There are three ways that you can separate yourself to God's purpose. How do I do that? Well, you can believe the gospel message, which is the death, burial, and resurrection. This is one of the ways I separate myself to what God is doing. If Jesus Christ came to die and he was buried and he was resurrected, I want to identify in that. How do I identify in that? Through repentance, walking away from Moab, hallelujah, being buried in a name that's above every name and being infilled by his spirit and by his presence. This is one way I separate myself. The second way is a transformation and renewing of the mind. Amen. The word helps me renew my mind. The spirit helps me renew my mind. The power of God become agents that show up at the door and knock on the door and say, by introduction, I am the agent of transformation in your life. Oh, yeah? Well, who are you? I'm the word of God. And so old things have passed away. Feel your mind with the word of God. And it will become an agent of transformation that changes things in your life. Praise God. The Holy Ghost shows up and says, I'm an agent of transformation. I'm going to give you power that you didn't have before. You couldn't overcome before. But now that the Holy Ghost is in your life, it empowers you to be what God has called you to be. And you shall be witnesses unto me throughout the entire earth. Praise God, because the Holy Ghost is power. And it gives to us the ability to transform our entire life. If we don't have the Holy Ghost, we don't have any transforming power. And somebody said amen. Man, if the power of God is in our life, there won't be any transformation. Praise God. But if the power of God is in our life, there is a transforming agent that starts changing us, starts changing our mentality, starts changing our dress, starts separating us from the old world of Moab and the worldly things and invites us into the presence of God and joy unspeakable and full of glory. As there is a separation process when God picks us out of the miry clay and reestablishes us and reconstitutes us. You once lived your life in anger, but in the house of God, you're not the same individual. You may have come out of the prison because of that old life, but you're in the house of God because God gave you peace and you're not the same individual anymore. God separated you for a purpose. 
Hallelujah. Anybody have a testimony here tonight? If you do, why don't you just praise him right now? I thank you, Lord, for your separating power and the agents of change and transformation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what I like? I like to sit down and talk to a new convert, a new disciple that talks about where their mind was. My mind was in a place that was not a good place. It was a place of dysfunction. I can't even believe I thought that particular way. Thanks be to God that changed some things in my life. And now I am living in a new world. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm living in a new world because there's a transformation that's taking place in my life. God is separating me to his purpose. Amen. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 19 verse 14, let the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I want my heart to be right. I want the words of my mouth to be right. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why? Because it changes your mind when you think on good things. It's not good to think on bad things. It's not good to think on evil things. It's not good to think on negative things. And here the word of God is the agent for transformation. Think on good things. Praise God. I am a child of God. I'm not walking by fear. I'm not going to live under a cloud of suspicion and doubt. I'm going to be in calm. I'm going to be confident in what God has called me to be. Praise God. And the third thing, asking the right questions with our minds on the things of God. Asking the right questions. I need a new birth experience. I need a transformation in my life. I need to ask the right questions, which, is a, which, which means something. The psalmist was so concerned about this in Psalm 119, verse 5. He said, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes, exclamation point. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. When I shall have learned thy righteous judgments, the psalmist was saying, I, I, I want my ways to be directed. I want to keep your statutes. I don't want to be ashamed when it comes to your commandments. I want to praise you with an uprightness of heart. So David's talking about motives. It is difficult to serve God if other things compete for our attention. And when things rise up that compete for God's attention, they become idolatry. They become idols, and they pull us away from God. Our motivation needs to be razor sharp. My first allegiance is to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to serve him. And if anything comes in the way, I'm going to remove that. I'm going to take it off the table. If you don't take it off the table, you're going to constantly be in this struggle and in this battle. You're going to try your best. You want to live for God. But over here, you've got entanglements, and you're riding the fence. And riding the fence 
is no fun for anybody. You need to either get all the way in or say, okay, I'm walking away because I can't live in two worlds. No man can serve two masters at the same time. He'll either love the one or hate the other. I'm preaching to you faith. You need to get all the way in and say, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love God and hate the world. I don't want any idolatry in my life. I don't want any obstacles in my life. I'm going to live for the king. God could do great things with you if you would get off the fence and just say, I'm going to live for you. God could do wonderful things in your family and in your life, but you're still too concerned about all the entanglements of what would and could happen. I'm telling you, forget it all and say, God, you can take care of me. Praise God, praise God. Come on, let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'll turn that down just a bit. The last time Sister Betty jumped 10 feet up in the air and babies had to go out. That's perfect. Praise God. <clears throat> I'm listening to the voice of my wife. You need to turn that down. There were children that had to be taken out because they were crying. God. God separates us for a purpose. Ruth, Naomi, separating out of more, cleaving to her. In much the same way we cleave to the things of God. And man, there's, there's, there's testimonies in this place here tonight of, of people that are here. And, and the reason why you're really here is because you are cleaving to righteousness. You don't have, there's, there, you don't have multi-generation families here. You're here because you want to be here because you, you feel the anointing of God and God has done so such great things in your life that this has become your pursuit. I want to tell you, if that's you, okay, if that's you, you, you so inspire me and you so influence me to really dig deep and say, you know what, I want the same kind of anointing and strength and pursuit of holiness. Praise God. You know why? That's, that's why it's good for people to receive the Holy Ghost and new people to come into the house of God. I'm not saying anything about the people who have always been here for many, many years because they're foundational examples and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the energy, you know, some people are willing to walk away from everything because they want what's in the house of God. And if we're not careful, we'll sit so long that we become apathetic and fail to realize what we really, really have. We've got a treasure in earth and vessels. Praise God. When I see you stepping up to the front and throwing your hands up in the air, you know what it makes me want to do? Throw my hands up in the air and leap for joy because I know where you're coming from. And I know you're thankful. And because you're thankful, I'm so very thankful. Don't ever let living for God become boring and dull and apathetic. Find somebody that's new in God and say, I want the same fervor, same intensity. Amen. I've watched some of you elders come and pray. For, for, for new babies. That, that excites me. That excites me. We can't lose that. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't lose that. As a matter of fact, we need more of that. You know why? Because when we're constantly taking care of babies, we don't have time to point fingers at each other. 
Oh, we should have got more than that. When we're trying to take care of newbies in the house of God, we're so concerned about what can we do to develop them and grow them and support them. I don't have time to look and see what you're doing over there. I'm not competing with you. I'm creating an atmosphere in the house of God for revival. Praise God. Amen. I, I want to pursue the divine. It is a constantly, continually reflecting of God's image. The more you separate yourselves for God's purpose, the more you pursue holiness. And the more we pursue holiness, the more of God's image we reflect. If you don't pursue holiness, you're not going to reflect the image of God effectively. But if your pursuit is the holiness of God, the more you pursue God and the closer you get to God, the more you reflect his image. Oh, man. Praise God. That's convicting, huh? We all have room to work. We need, we, we, we've, we, it's a continual process. And we're constantly striving to better ourselves. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or maturity or completeness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Sin distorts the image of God. And the pursuit of holiness is not about us. And it's not about a set of rules. It's to reflect God's image. I'm pursuing a heart condition and a hand condition. I'm pursuing God so that I can reflect who he is. Our focus should not be on what we are separated from, but it should be to whom we are separated. Who am I separating myself Two, I'm separating myself to Jesus Christ, the one that forgave me, washed me, cleansed me. His blood did an effective work, an efficacious work in my life. Praise God. And so because of that, there are some, there are some boundaries that I set in place in my life. There's some guideposts that I put in my life. Why? Because I'm separated to him. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not separated just to anybody. You're not separated to me. I'm, I'm pastor of this local congregation, but you're not separated separating yourself to me. You're separating yourself to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm not separating myself to you just because I'm the pastor and I know I've got to do some things. I'm separating myself because I want to be right in God's eyes. Praise God. We, we, we are not here trying to separate ourselves among ourselves. We're trying to pursue holiness and we're trying to be separated unto the one that washed us, cleansed us, forgave us, gave to us an opportunity, filled us with the Holy Ghost. Anybody thankful? This passage says, be thankful for that. Praise God. Be thankful for that. It's not about what I can't do to get closer to God. It's about what I can do to be more like him. we got to ask the right questions. 
Well, can you, can, can you do this or can you do that? How about asking, what is it that I can do to get closer to God? We're really good at asking what we can. We don't ask too many times what we can do. What can I do to get closer to him? What can I do to pursue holiness and separation so that I will become a godly individual? What can I do in that endeavor? Not only the what can't I do, but what I can do. It's asking the right questions. Praise God. I'm telling you in a world that we live in, you better be very, very careful that you don't go around always asking what I can't. Because if you do that in this society and culture, they will run over you like a steamroller because they're constantly trying to leverage doubt and disbelief and fear and all of those things. You need to rise up and say, you know what? In the midst of a godless culture becoming more and more so, I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to ask, how can I be a better child of God? I'm going to ask the right questions. How can the word of God draw me closer to him. I'm going to ask how can the Holy Ghost shine and illuminate through my life. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. This is a continual journey. It's a continual journey. We are continually on this pathway. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a royal priesthood. You are to enact God's purposes. Praise God. You thought you were just coming to church. No, you come to church as a priest of God. You are a royal priesthood. Do you realize that? I, mean, I don't care if somebody gets up here and flops. You're a royal priesthood. They could flop. The message couldn't even, it, it could not even pertain to you, and it wouldn't even matter. Why? Because you're a royal priesthood. What are you supposed to be doing? Offering sacrifices, creating opportunities for people to come into fellowship and worship. My job is to be a royal priest in the house of God. This is why I worship the way that I worship. Well, nobody else is worshiping. They haven't realized they're a royal priesthood. We're all a royal priesthood. And if we're all a royal priesthood, we should be enacting God's design and purposes. If the message is not for you, it's for somebody else. Look for somebody else to pray for. Well, that wasn't for me. It went right over my head. I didn't really get anything out of the service tonight. No, you missed the opportunity to be a royal priesthood for somebody, and you missed it. Hey, we got to get out of this mentality that church is about me and what can be done for me and to me and sing to me and play to me. And we're, we're like a Pied Piper doing all this, creating all of this stuff. No, that's not what the church is about. We are a royal priesthood. We are all working together to create an atmosphere so that somebody might be reconciled to the king's purposes. Praise God. We are about creating an atmosphere so that the Holy Ghost can be poured out upon somebody's life. He called you to be a royal priesthood. To enact God's purposes. And so what are you supposed to be doing? Hebrews says it this way in chapter 12, verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down. 
What's the royal priesthood supposed to do? Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. We can't turn lame people out. We can't turn hurting people out of the way. I would encourage you every service as a royal priesthood, if the message goes forth and it seems a little flat, look around. There might be somebody close by you that you could slip over and you could lift up weary arms and wearied knees and you could do the operation of a royal priesthood. God. God has called us to this. Follow peace with all men and holiness, which without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. God separated you for a purpose. He separated you for a reason. He has called you out of Moab. Let's cleave like Ruth to Naomi and say, God, I, I want to know what the kingdom of God is about. And I want your spirit and your presence and the peace of God. I want to be directed by that. I want to be called out for your purposes to enact your will. I, sometimes I feel like we can't break through this barrier that we've got in our mind. You are a royal priesthood. No, I just come sit on a pew. I really don't have anything or do anything in the house of God. Well, it's time for you to start doing something then because God called you to be a royal priesthood and you wouldn't be here if he didn't call you. He called you to be a royal priesthood. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Do you know how you put that in action? I don't know. You do it by worship. You do it by lifting your hands. You do it by pre-service prayer because you're here and you're praying. That's the work of the royal priesthood. I wish all of y'all would be here for that because that's royal priesthood. What are we doing? We're setting the atmosphere. We're creating an atmosphere. Well, there seems like 15 people are praying. There should be everybody in the building praying. Why? Because we're a royal priesthood. What are we praying for? We're enacting God's purposes. We are saying God's presence is going to be in this place. There's going to be an opportunity in this place. Hallelujah. There's going to be an anointing in this place that shakes the foundation, that breaks every chain, every yoke of bondage. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out. Praise God. You've got to find your place. You've got to find your niche. And you've got to say, this is my opportunity to be a royal priesthood. It's not up just to the man that's in the pulpit. It's not up just to the person that gets up and exhorts. It's not up just to the singers and the musicians. It's up to all of us working together. For what? For the work of reconciliation. To do what? To bring people closer to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be a travesty if somebody came into the house of God and walked away? and said, I didn't really feel anything. You know what's exciting to me to hear people when they come to the house of God, they may come from another church somewhere, but they'll say something like this. You know what? I felt something different in your church than I feel in my church. I'm nice. I'm real nice. But you know what they're saying? They're saying, I feel the anointing of God. Hallelujah. That should be what takes place every time we come to the house of God. If it's not there, we should create it. Praise God. We should should create it because we're enacting God's purpose. And so I, I, I'm not sure about that theology, Pastor. I, I thought God just breaks out and is spontaneous. So what, are we just going to sit around and wait for God to just come through the ceiling? No. 
we're going to worship God even when we don't feel like it. Why? Because we know that he dwells and inhabits the praises of his people. You, you, start, you start doing something, praying, worshiping, clapping, shouting, lifting up your voice, raising your hands. God can't help but come down and be in the midst of wherever you are. Has there anybody ever, ever just started worshiping God and you didn't feel a thing? You didn't feel an absolute thing, not a scintilla of nothing. And then all of a sudden, after a little bit, all of a sudden, you felt God's anointing and God's presence because God cannot be removed from people that worship him. Praise God. What, I'm, what am I doing here tonight? I'm trying to preach some, some spiritual maturity into you when it feels flat and it feels like nothing is happening you be a royal priesthood and enact the will of God you say I'm going to worship God and praise God until something happens until heaven comes down on earth I may be the only one but I'm going to do it and in the process of doing it God comes down and a work happens royal priesthood, a holy nation. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we stand together tonight in the house of God? Praise God, praise God. <clears throat> it's interesting, and we're not going to do it tonight because it's Bible study. But let me just pose this question to you. Could we create an altar experience that was powerful without much to pre, uh, precipitate it, to cause it? Could we do that? I mean, it's just a theoretical question. I mean, like right now, could we like just say, boom, we're going to have an altar service that's powerful. Could we do that? We got a few. Sister Jeannie's always on board. She's ready to go. Could it be done? What would it take? I mean, it would take prayer, right? It would take enacting the will of God. It would, it would take... then why is it sometimes the message just has to be just right, pull the right emotional strings and everything? Or the song has to be just right? You see what I'm saying? There's a big difference in that mentality. If I don't really care what happens, I mean, I do care, but if, if, if the music is not on par and the preaching is not on par, can, can we still have a powerful altar service? Absolutely. How does that happen? When people get it in their mind that they're royal priesthood and I am a priest and I can enact a move of God by getting in the midst of where God is and worshiping him with an intensity and a fervor. Praise God. This is what we should desire. This is what we should strive toward. You know why? We need more people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll just be honest with you. I, I'm happy. Things are going great. Revival's happening. We've, we've, I've sat in, in my office this week 
with, with new people and God's doing wonderful things. But I want to see people receive the Holy Ghost. I want to see altars that are full. I want to see baptismal tank full baptizing people. Huh? We live in a generation that, that, that we live in a world that needs revival. I want to put my hand to the plow and say, God, you got to get my focus off my own things and my own whatever and help me to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is you have separated me, called me to the purpose of God. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and our voice tonight in conclusion. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. We join together right now in this place. Hallelujah. If there's individuals praying for the Holy Ghost, I pray that the Holy Ghost would be poured out upon them. If there are people that individuals are working with, I pray that you would direct and you would guide them. Amen. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us to be true worshipers that worship you in spirit and in truth. Praise God. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Come on, let's lift up our voice and praise him and thank him just for a few moments before we leave tonight. I thank you that you have called me a peculiar people. You have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light and you have created